Today is September 28th, 2013. Indie Radio is an indie game development talk show, which is here to bring you interviews with both large and lesser-known developers, recap the latest news, debate about topics in indie gaming, and to give you some tips and tricks for your journey into game development. Today is September 28th, 2013, and I will be your host, Brett Hudson, not broadcasting from the Midwest, but now on the eastern coast of the United States. I just moved, so... Woohoo! Different time zone. Welcome. Also, I will be food broadcasting from the. I will be Ian broadcasting from the East Coast as well, co-hosting. Oh, hey, hi, hello, hello. Yep. Yeah. Hi. I'm I'm here in Texas. Uh, you guys are broadcasting for me. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. So this is uh, Robin Arnott. Hello. And yeah, he's our interview today. So we're going to do a short music break and then we'll get into the news. I can see. All right. Oh, yeah. Robin, um, forgot to mention, we're not going to be able to hear the music. Only the people on the... Uh, oh, sure. On the thing. Were, so, sorry for the 30 seconds I feel of sound. Oh, no, no problem. I can still sing. All right. Perfect. <laughs> I, I did a little bit of singing yesterday for uh, Stanley Parable stuff. All right. So, uh, I just sent the show topics over on Skype. So, if you guys want to look at that... Um, I'll just take the first one. It's pretty simple. Uh, we're talking about bundles, 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 and then Ian, you can jump on the uh, Steam article. Where's the Where's the thing you sent over? I'm not seeing it. Uh, it's just in the Skype chat. Oh, uh, you gotta press the little. Yeah, yeah, I see the Skype chat, but I I see Ian intro, Robin intro, Indie Radio, indiefunction.com slash radio. I think his trademark really jazzes up this place. To be honest. <laughs> indiefunction.com slash broadcast x yep that's it okay great yep all right so um i will do the first topic and basically there have been a couple of bundles that have come out lately the uh indie royale has the alaska bundle with it looks like five games and gog.com uh has launched a bundle i don't think they've ever done one before have, have we ever talked about a gog bundle before ian I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, um, hmm. oh, it looks like there's going to be a sixth game added to the Indie Royale. Um, I'm actually going to go to the page that it's on so I can read off what games are there. There's Electronic Superjoy, March of the Eagles, Rigonauts, uh, Sengoku, Way of the Warrior, 99 Spirits, which I've heard is pretty cool, and Flipper. So if you pay $4 and 96 cents or more, you can get all these games on, it looks like, uh, four of them are on Steam, four of them are on Desura, and the others are just on Windows, Mac, and Linux. And then the GOG bundle, um, I'm trying to find a link to it there, oh, here we go, it's called the Super 5 Promo. 
Oh, they have VVVVVV on here. One of my favorite indie platformers. Uh, the Adventures of Shuggy. Gateways, Time Gentleman Please, plus Ben There, Dan That. <laughs> and Escape Goat, which I've heard about but never played. So, um, you choose which games you want. And depending on how many of the five games that you choose, you get more of a discount. So if you only get one game, you get a 60% discount. You do all the games, you get an 80% discount. So pretty great deal. Um, and as always, if you are listening into this live, uh, there is an IRC, which you can get to at IndieFunction.com radio. And uh, we'll be posting the uh, news topics in there. And if you're listening to this... In the archive, well, they're already there on the page. All right, and then the Humble Mobile Bundle 2, because, you know, Humble Bundle only does a bundle, like, every week. <laughs> uh, it has a few games, Star Command, uh, Time Surfer, Punch Quest, Balloons, Tower Defense 5, which is pretty much, you know, like, one of the best tower defense games ever. Uh, Raven Sword, Shadowlands, and Carmageddon. Like the classic Carmageddon? Um, I'm not sure. It's uh, let's let's click on this. Carmageddon is a racing game with a violent, bloody twist. It won the Game of the Year trophy in the 1997 PC Zone Reader Awards. So I'm guessing so. Oh wow! I played that game a lot when I was a kid. Yeah, I've, I've actually never heard of it. I was only two at that time, though. <laughs> well, cool. So yeah, that uh, that bundle is uh, currently at four dollars and forty nine cents for the two bonus games, which are Raven Sword and uh, Carmageddon. But the uh, other ones are available for any any price you want. All right, Ian, would you like to take us away with some Steam updates? Well, they're unveiling Steam Machines. It's going into beta. It's a hardware beta. Uh, basically, Steam Machines, their SteamOS is a operating system they're making, and they're allowing different vendors to create uh, devices, similar to how Google had Android and allowed various people to make the hardware for it. Uh, Steam's making their own hardware for one device, but they're allowing other vendors to make their own, and sometime in 2014, they plan to be releasing them. Uh, currently, though, there's a beta where they're going to let 300 people try it for free. Uh, there's five steps to become eligible. Um, and they're going to just choose, uh, what was it? I can't remember. There's the first 30, well, 30 or less of the uh, people chosen from the 300 participants will be based on their past community contributions and beta participation. But the rest are all just going to be completely randomly chosen. So <laughs> there's pretty good odds that, you know, out of the millions of Steam users, you might be chosen if you at least try and become eligible. So I think it's worth it to give it a shot. It looks like a really cool idea. Um, and, of course, all the Steam stuff that you can already do on your PC, if you have great hardware, there's no real point, I guess, in doing this. And, well, you can stick with doing that. So mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's really easy to become eligible. I think I already am. All you have to do is... Um, join the Steam Universe community group, agree to the hardware beta terms, make 10 Steam friends, create a public Steam community profile, and play a game using a gamepad in in big picture mode. Super easy. And then you lose 10 pounds. Wait, what? (laughs) I thought that was the result. 
Yeah, of course. For weight loss. Come on. What were you saying, Robin? Well, with this all-new Steam formula, I lost 10 pounds in two weeks. Oh, wow. Yeah. It really works. It really works. Just a simple payment of two ninety nine per month. Through the next 50 years. Perfect. Yeah, and then um, it seems like uh, this article doesn't talk about the new uh, Steam controller, which uh, we'll have to look up quick. Um, where? Here we go. I'm on Engadget.com. So uh, basically the new Steam controller looks absolutely bizarre. I mean, it looks really cool, but it doesn't look like a gaming controller. There's two trackpads. Like like a kind of like a mouse pad on on a laptop, but they're round and they're indented like like they're speakers. And you like put your fingers on them and use them like a controller. It's the weirdest thing, but there's been some pretty good reactions to the controllers themselves. Uh, a lot of developers are saying that they feel really good even though they look look completely different than everything else. And uh, they said that it takes a little bit of use or it takes a little bit of uh, using it to get used to it, but uh, it's, it seems really cool. Yeah, and it's super hackable. I really like that they've uh, um, gone out of their way to make it hackable. Mm-hmm. There's this little diagram on the on their page that just shows it being taken apart in really simple steps uh, so people can make their own additions to the controller. That's so cool. Uh, the gamepad has 16 buttons in total. Uh, two are around back, while the majority are found out front. One sits in each corner. The middle touchscreen... Which is a so. display touchscreen, not... Yeah, it's, <gasps> it's high. It's a display? Yeah. Oh, that Brett, is so cool. read, read, come on. Where, I, I didn't see that anywhere. Well, I'm on Steam's own information oh. about it. Anyways. Oops. <laughs> Wrong place. <laughs> but yeah, the the touchscreen, that, that's going to be cool. And the trackpads do seem like a pretty swell idea. Cause... Mm-hmm. Apparently I mean, it's I... the most precise um, controller out there. They, that's what they've been claiming because of the trackpad instead of using analog sticks. It's and that's like really important precise. for people trying to play mouse and keyboard games from the couch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, hmm. I think that's pretty much it for the Steam news. Uh, it's it's pretty exciting. Uh, we'll we'll definitely keep everybody up to date with uh, updates because that's what you do when you keep people up to date. Updates. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Robin, would you like to sing us into the next segment? The next segment, 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 the next segment. The next segment, the next segment. No, you got it wrong, Brett. It goes. Here, try it. So it goes, it goes, it goes, the next segment. The next segment. With more energy. The next segment. From the diaphragm. The next segment. No, that's too low. Uh-oh. I've got a little announcement that uh, <laughs> your your uh, your listeners might be interested in, especially those in California. 
Um, and that's Indicate is coming up next week, which is super great festival. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know how we uh, forgot to mention that. I actually got press tickets to go, but because, oh. because have I have college starting this week, I'm not able to fly over there. I'm so sad. Also, you're poor, but, you know, there's that. <laughs> have you been to the festival, Brett? Or what was that? Have you been to the festival? Uh, no, this would have been my first time, but uh, I'm hoping to make it next year. It's uh, it's pretty wonderful. Mm-hmm. It's it's really really wonderful. Um, yeah, yeah, I totally recommend going to it. I I organized the night games party there, oh, and cool. um, it's um, yeah, it's just like a. I mean, we just had Fantastic Arcade here in Austin. It's like a larger sort of Fantastic Arcade. Um, I guess. Okay. Maybe. Um, uh, sorry. Anyway, I, I don't want to hold us up too long. Uh, I could go on and on about Indicate. Um, there's a lot of cool games there. No, um, it's totally cool because the next section is the interview with you. So you're oh, right. to talk yeah. about yourself. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> um, I got involved with Indicate because one year I said to them, "Hey, I really like what you guys do, and would like to volunteer." And they said, "Okay, here's this big party." And uh, it wound up taking all of this couple months of my life last year. And it was a lot of work and totally worth it because the Night Games Party was wonderful. And we're hoping it's going to be just as wonderful this year. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, lots of really, really cool games. Um, let me just uh, look, uh, see what's in their selection. Um, I mean, we're, we're in the... Um, uh, Sound Self is in, in the... Uh, in their selection, but they've also got a, uh, a, a uh, excuse me, they also have a competition, and uh, they've got some really cool games there. I can't find it right now. The button is not immediately beneath my fingertips, and so I could spend some time umming and eyeing and looking for it, <laughs> but uh, I'm, uh, I'm happy to just move on and say, hey, if you're in California, go to Indicade because it's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And... Next year, maybe I will see some of you guys. If if college doesn't get in the way, I have classes Monday to Saturday, so I'd like fly over Saturday night and then fly back Sunday night, and that's just too expensive. <laughs> yeah. Um. Or you could just skip some classes. Not that I would advocate that, but I would totally advocate that. Yeah, skip skip first week of class. It's it's a good idea. <laughs> I did that. So I used to, uh, when I first started going to Burning Man, I mean, Burning Man always happens over first week of class in college, and I would routinely miss the first week of class and um, come back confused, but, but confused for so many good reasons, um, the least of which would be a week off of class. Yeah, they they said if you miss a day of class, though, you can uh, be ineligible to uh, complete it due to oh. some sort of uh, participation, like scoring sheet that they have. Mm, lame sauce. So yeah, or else I totally would. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. So um, what what made us find you was a game that you made using a mask. Was that's oh, not sound self. But what, yeah. what game was that? That's called Deep Sea. I made that. I started work on that, I think, 2009 or 2010 at the NYU Game Center. Um, it was one of the first games in 
no quarter. Um, so we were introduced to the world, or I was Deep Sea was introduced to the world at the same time as Nidhogg was. Um, okay. And um, yeah, that's just a really weird game. It, it requires player wear a gas mask and uh, um, has lots of wires coming out of it. And uh, as you breathe, your breath is um, played back to you as though through a regulator underwater. So it's <laughs> like that. <laughs> and there's gameplay where you have to listen really carefully to the uh, to some. Oh, and you're blinded. You can't see anything. Um, because this gas mask blocks your sight, and uh, as you you're you're listening for sea monsters out in the distance, and use a joystick to rotate towards them and shoot them, but it's impossible. It's difficult enough to try and hear where they are and center on them, but when you breathe, you can't hear anything. So uh, the game kind of actively encourages players to uh, deprive themselves of oxygen, which, <laughs> which was interesting. Uh, somebody fainted playing it at South by Southwest, which which was really scary. Oh my god, that was scary. Oh my god, that was scary. This guy took off the mask and said, I don't feel too, and he fell. Uh, <laughs> and we dragged him to a beanbag and fed him some water, and I was really worried we were going to have to send him to the hospital. Uh, and then he woke up and he said, that was amazing. Um, so, and I realized, I don't think I want my games to send people to the hospital. I, I uh, And that that was kind of the beginning of me uh, wondering how I could use what I learned making Deep Sea to create a more positive experience. Um, and between then and now, I created a project for Burning Man that was it worked okay, uh, but the production was a disaster. Um, and uh, and SoundSelf is is kind of the its genesis is is Deep Sea and the and the weird ideas we put to work in Deep Sea. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, it's just been kind of two years of research coming to coming to uh, crystallizing to this this form of sound self. Yep. Another so, word. So I have a question about deep sea. Please. Right? Um, I don't have any hearing in my left ear, so would that put me at a disadvantage if I were to play your game? Yeah, you wouldn't be able to play, but um, I don't know how much that really matters with deep sea because because the experience is not about the mechanics of playing; it's about being in that space and um, freaking out, so you wouldn't be able to play it. But if, but you probably also wouldn't realize you wouldn't be able to play it um, unless I told you, um, and it would probably be an equally freaky experience. But that, that's what's interesting about it, you know. It's like the the mechanics are the uh, are um, Hitchcock's red herring. It's it's for for me anyway. In in this case, it's it's less about what you're doing and how that plays into the experience and more about what you think you're doing and what, how what you think plays into the experience. Um, <clears throat> so when I was doing Deep Sea, I, I put a lot of work, you know, I was trying to, uh, I was, it was my first real project as a game designer. I put a lot of work into little mechanics and, and things that nobody would ever notice, but people do notice things that, that aren't there. And that's what's really interesting to me is, is um, how people's imagination plays into the interactive experience that they think they're having and and makes it that much more intense um so yeah if i didn't tell you that you wouldn't be able to play deep sea the mechanics of deep sea anyway with without with hear, no hearing in your left ear you'd probably play it and still have a really scary experience because you'd think you're doing something and you'd be trying to work out how you can locate these monsters and and you'd be really trying to control your breathing probably but um um and then you'd die just like everyone else does, and you'd be like, ah! But, uh, 
but but now that you know that you wouldn't be able to play the game, I've, I've ruined it for you. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I watched a uh, I want to say it was Vimeo, maybe maybe it was YouTube. I'm not sure, but it was a a video of some people's reactions, and it was insane watching them pull off the mask, and they're like, <gasps> oh, "Oh my god, that was yeah. awesome." And it surprised me as well. I really, like, I was just doing this weird experiment, and I didn't, I was so surprised by the intensity of the reactions that, that people had to it. Um, they, um, it really, really scared people, and I spent, uh, I, I feel like I spent kind of two years after initially making Deep Sea tr- trying to work out what made it work. Um, mm-hmm. And I wrote a couple papers that I didn't know, you know, I didn't know, what made it work but i wrote papers like i did know and that kind of helped me try to explore it try to understand this thing i'd speak to people um one thing that was really interesting is i gave the game to a friend of mine who was a really experienced um meditator and and yogi and uh she did not get scared at all but she lasted about 45 minutes eventually i just had to take the mask off and be like okay um this is um because she would have just been able to play forever, which is unheard of in this game because it gets harder and harder and harder and harder and harder. But really what makes it hard is is that you are in that space really scared, unable to breathe. Um, and and that the game worked in a totally different way for her. She found it to be very meditative, was bizarrely, um, was, was really interesting. I learned something uh, about it there. Um, yeah, so... I was trying to work out what made it tick, and I think what made it tick really is player imagination um, and giving players just enough information for their imagination to spiral off, and uh, um, and the breathing kind of made people get into a trance with it because it gave them a lot to focus on, and uh, all of that stuff is has been tremendously informative in in my in my work subsequently. Um, most directly in Sound Self, which I'm working on now. Um, anyway, yeah. Um, your turn. My turn? Your turn. What, what, what am I supposed to talk about? Oh, I don't know. Um, I I could babble, and this will be a uh, this would be a very um, uh, a, a conversation that goes on tangents and tangents and tangents and doesn't really circle around anything. So, uh, tell me where you want to take this, Brett. All right, tell you where I want to take this. Hmm. So, would you call the game a video game or a sound game? Because <laughs> that's how I've been explaining it to people. Cause deep they're like, sea? What, what's deep sea? I'm like, oh, well, it's it's a sound game. They're like, what yeah, do you mean? That's not a term I've heard before, but I like it. Um, I know, I, I hear this a lot. What is a video game or what is not a video game? And it's as useful as that is. I think video game is a really useful word because it sets people's expectations in an interesting way. Um and I think I think there's something actually going on really interesting visually in Deep Sea. Um, you go in expecting to see something, you know. You go in expecting a video game, and it is the deprivation of that which is really powerful. Um, so I think if you, I think going in, and this is what my my friend, the meditator and the yogi, um, did going in. You know, she went in with expectations not of a video game, but as a breathing experience, and it was a very different experience for her. So I think I think the the word that we use to describe something sets up people's expectations in a certain way. And how do you want people entering this experience? Uh, 
for me, that deprivation is a very important part of that game. Wow, I... <laughs> that was pretty deep. Oh, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Yeah. Deepness. Deep. Deep, deep. sea. Deeps. Deeps. <laughs> um, but I really like... I'd really love to... Um, do you know much about um, SoundSelf, the project that I'm working on now? Uh, not too much. I saw it on Kickstarter, and we were going to put it in the magazine, but then we realized that it had already ended. <laughs> oh, sure. Well, well, we've opened up our alpha now, so people can... Uh, we closed it off for a while while we sorted our shit out and worked on the game, and now we've opened it up again. But it's... Um, to me, I think it's a much more interesting um, experience than Deep Sea because it takes everything I learned making Deep Sea in, in a totally different direction. Totally different direction. Oh, it's um, it's a game where, and again, you know, I use the word video game not because the word video game act, act or um, accurately describes it, but because that's the setting I want people going into this with. So that's the set of expectations I want people going into it with. Um, mm-hmm. It's not a goal-oriented experience, but it takes your voice. You you chant, you go, uh... And uh, as you do that, this experience dances with you and sucks you into a trance. Um, it's it's a... Um, it's like a 22-dimensional exploration game um, where what you're exploring is less about what you're seeing and hearing and more about your relationship with, with those things. So it's really difficult to describe and... Um, one of one thing I really like doing with it is after people play it, say, "Hey, describe what you just ha- what you experienced." And people say, "Uh, uh it was like it, I saw things, and it was wow." Um, and that's the most I can you know I cannot. You were talking. We were talking about VVVVV earlier, which is a wonderful game, and you could you could describe that as you know. Okay, so there's this platforming adventure where when you instead of jumping, when you press the jump button, it flips gravity, and there are these puzzles to solve in that way, and um, and uh, you could give somebody an idea of what that experience is. Um, and one of our difficulties with sound self is I have no idea how to describe the experience to uh, to potential players. Um, but it worked out. It worked out in our. Uh, um, it worked out in our Kickstarter. Um, we, um, what I did, my strategy for that was just to show the game to as many people as possible and get them talking about it. And uh, because there was no way I could accurately describe the experience, and uh, and it worked. We got funded. Um, we've been getting uh, some decent coverage, um, and uh, and we'll be hopefully releasing the game uh, same time as the Oculus Rift comes out next year. <gasps> Oculus, when's that due out? 2014 uh fall 2014 fall okay that's what that's what the um that's what i've been reading about online but really i don't know i don't know any more than anybody else does so don't take this as a oh that's when it's coming out because that's just kind of what i've heard and uh they haven't made any official announcements or anything because because they don't you know i don't know i don't know what uh so uh but as soon as i find out I'm going to have a date that I need to be done by because I really want to ship day and date with them. Yeah, for sure. Be the be the tower fall of the um the Oculus Rift. So, my the reason I really want to do that is um mainstream gamers, I I mean we all have I've already described how difficult it is for me to describe the experience mm-hmm. and once people play it, they they get it, you know. They can't describe it, but they get it. Um, and um, 
getting people to try it is is a difficult thing. Um, and so, but the Oculus Rift is it fulfills our a certain narrative that everyone's had in mind for since the 90s. It's the it's the VR dream of the 90s come true. It works. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And um, my hope is that you know. People are when the rift comes out and they have access to this really functional VR machine. They're going to say, "Surprise me! Show me something!" People, you know, who may not necessarily usually be be looking for surprises. This is a a door to uh, unknown and different and bizarre experiences that fits really neatly in the narrative of uh, anybody who grew up in the nineties. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I'm hoping is that uh, if we launch with them. Um, People will say, uh, I want to try something totally different that I wouldn't have been able to experience before. And uh, they'll see everything people have been saying about SoundSelf and they won't understand what it is, but they'll give it a try because they want something new and they want something that's new in that in that VR narrative. And I'm hoping that will help us reach a, a lot of people who we otherwise wouldn't be able to um, because it's so bizarre and it looks bizarre. It looks, it looks like a um, – well, let me give you – let me show you our website and you tell me how you would describe this experience or, or describe what you – tell me what you think of what you see here. I just pasted a, a link into our yep. Skype chat. And I'll paste it into the IRC for – Oh, rad. Else. Yeah. All right. So do you want us to watch the, watch the video? Yeah, yeah, please. All right. And I will sing while you're doing that. Perfect. Actually, I won't because the sound of the video is pretty good. <laughs> Best of E3. <laughs> what? You want us to describe that? Um, I don't know. I I want you to. So, if you you look at the site here. What do you understand about this experience? Is there anything that that comes through to you as a as a because uh, one of the most difficult things is um, I'm I uh, I work uh, I share a space with Davy Reedon of the Stanley Parable and he's had a very uh, uh, significant challenge with the Stanley Parable because he has a game that he cannot describe to people the the he cannot talk about the game you cannot talk about the interactivity the interactivity or the gameplay or the content so he's done a really clever thing in getting people talking about uh in a really meta way about about game design without talking about the game itself getting people excited about it so messaging is a really difficult thing i think it's a really it's an especially difficult thing when when you've got something that you can't really talk about for whatever reason and and that ultimately for people to understand it you have to get them to get their hands on it so i'm curious what what is your impression from what you've what you've seen so far all right (laughs) do as awful Um, a job as you like awful as job there's, well, there's these pixels on the screen, and they move around. <laughs> Whoa. I know. Whoa. Like, I'm guessing you, you like, put input into the computer, and the pixels move around. Yep. So the URL <laughs> for this, for anyone listening, is soundselfgame.com. Um, yeah, the input's your voice, and it, it dances with you. It, 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 it kind of works off uh, some loopholes in the way that you perceive to create a really unique experience. And one of the things we're doing is 
um, it harmonizes with your voice. When you go, oh, it produces the same tone back at you, but at a different timbre. So it feels like that sound is coming out of your body. So you, you no longer quite feel the same uh, separation between yourself and the game soundtrack. And what we're trying to do is create a synesthetic relationship between the game soundtrack and the the visual experience so that um, what you are seeing also feels like it is a part of your body. Um, yeah, so it's really meditative. Oh, thank you. Um, thank you. I really appreciate that. That's a story as well, the visuals, because uh, uh, I'm a sound designer, and um, uh, or before working on Sound Self, I would have described myself fundamentally as a, a sound designer, and I had this idea that I couldn't do art, that that wasn't my thing, that I didn't have the expertise in that. And um, we were trying to find the right artist for the project, you know, somebody who's really interested in geometry and in generative visualization and um, um, has a really strong relationship with the uh, internal narrative, the self, meditation, any of those things, um, and who can do scripting. So there were a lot of needs to fill, and we tried a couple of people out. Um, and they all brought something really wonderful to the project, but... Um, Ultimately, um, they didn't work out, and so um, I finally decided, you know what, I'm going to do the damn visuals. I can do this, and I think I've done a really good job. Um, I think I've done a really good job, um, and this is something I've never, I've never come to a project as a visual artist before. I've actively avoided that because I, I had decided that this is something I can't do, but in this system, I find myself really zenning out on making uh, really beautiful things happen, I hope. Yeah, the um, the picture under the title "Mind from Chaos," the uh, the green the green circles they totally remind me of the uh, life force from Final Fantasy VII. If you ever played that, oh yeah, back in the day, yeah, it totally reminds me of that. And uh, I don't remember where I was going. I just got tacos. Tacos just arrived for me. There. <laughs> In, oh yes, tacos. Thank you guys. Um. So yeah, I haven't played Final Fantasy VII for a long time, so I can't really. But it's all so all of this is is um, generative. It's all mm-hmm. so I create the um, the rules that make things happen. Um, but ultimately, the systems combine in really interesting ways that surprise me when I watch people play it. Um. It's really beautiful as a game designer to have a system that's complex enough that it can continue to surprise me. Do you want to hear me eat this taco? Let's do it. Mm. Mm. Now I'm all hungry. Oh. <laughs> oh, man. There's a Taco Bell down the street. Hmm. Well, that's not real. Yeah, but they got that new uh, Loco Roco fire taco thing. I'm a sucker for those Dorito tacos. Mm. <laughs> oh, I'm from Austin, so I'm just spoiled for good tacos. We have so many good tacos here. Oh, I can imagine. Oh, like this one. This is a pulled pork taco from a place called Elaine's Pork and Pies. Yeah. <clears throat> they all... <clears throat> oh, I got some taco in my throat. Yeah, don't, they... don't choke. <laughs> They they also do uh, like buttermilk pies and stuff. Mmm. Mmm. Mm. Oh, I gotta lick this salsa off. Oh jeez. 
<laughs> I don't even know how to react. Oh man, that was so good. All right. So, is there any goals in Sound Self? Like, is there is there like uh, goals or achievements or stuff that you actually do? Um, there's a lot of stuff that you actually do, but um, I'd compare it to Proteus or Panoramical. Um, have you played Proteus? Yes. Right. So, in Proteus, well, how did you feel about Proteus when you played it? Um, I really liked it. Um, I I didn't play it for too long because I got a bit stressed out. Sometimes oh. really open worlds with so much to do just stresses me out, and I gotta close it down. Mm-hmm. But um, I really thought it was interesting because you know there is no goal; it's just you can go explore this world and find out secrets about it. I really liked. There's this one spot where all the um the flowers started floating in the air, spinning around me, and then it turned to night, day, night, day, night, day, night. Yeah, and then, yeah, yeah. It, like, exploded. Mm-hmm. That was the coolest thing ever. Yeah, right? There's something so beautiful and magic about that. <coughs> oh. Oh, <God. laughs> are, you, no. are you okay? No, I'm so good. It <laughs> doesn't even begin to cover it. One minute, it's a really intimate relationship with the tacos. The next, they're trying to kill him. It's just, it's awful. It's still intimate. Oh, my God. It's it's just deathly intimate. <laughs> <coughs> yeah, so in Proteus, um yeah, you're not necessarily going out of your way to search for particular things in Proteus, but um there's this beautiful sense of discovery in that game. Um We we can let you go get a drink of water if you need one. <laughs> Sorry, my girlfriend's trying to talk to me. What is it, Aviva? Hi. <laughs> this is live. Um, yeah, maybe. Yeah, this is live. Okay, Bye, babe. Thanks. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, I'm Proteus. <laughs> oh, God, guys. <laughs> Dude, seriously, go grab some water. <laughs> David, can you grab me some water? Thank you. Ooh. I got her out of light. Ooh. Oh my god, it's so good. I don't know yeah, why this is yeah. so entertaining. Yeah. This is really special. This is really special. Oh, wow. Oh, Davey just brought me some water. This is amazing. Okay, so we were talking about Proteus, right? Yep. Okay, so... Um, there's a sense of discovery that I think if you had <clears throat> goals, if you had a thing that you were trying to achieve, um, you would miss the sense of discovery because you'd be focused on <coughs> achieving whatever it is you're trying to do. Mm. Uh, <laughs> um, so, um, with Sound Self, I, I feel like it's the same thing. You know, there's this real sense of discovery and exploration. And you're not um, trying to achieve anything in particular, although you might have little micro goals. You might be like, oh, I like this thing. I want more of that. Or, oh, I want to do more of this. But there's not a – there's no points. There's nothing like that. It's just a um, – excuse me. Oh, I'll just let it out. <clears throat> oh, yes. Okay. So there's just um, um, a kind of open discovery and um, – yeah. 
I, I it's difficult to keep coherent with such a good taco in my hands and and in my throat. <laughs> um. All right. Any questions? <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. I'm just. <laughs> I don't even know what's going on. Mm. Well, I'm talking about sound self. Yep. Right. Um, also, if anybody's listening in now and weren't originally listening in when we talked about the IRC, as always, indiefunction.com slash radio. There's an IRC on there. Just put in the username, whatever you want. We have a few people in there right now, and you can put in questions, ask Robin, um, ask him stuff about tacos, sound self, game design. You can also ask me and Ian stuff if you want, which is kind of not what we're here for, but if you so want to you can and uh yeah but for uh questions um what what did you do um before you worked on uh deep sea like uh did did you work in the industry or well i developed deep sea <clears throat> in school okay um so i was um bunking off class and <laughs> yeah how, how old are you I'm 26. Oh, 26. I was thinking that you were 30. Nope. Okay. 26. Um, so, yeah, I was, uh, um, oh, oh, wow. Um, yeah, so before doing Deep Sea, I was, I I went to school for film and, um, was trying to do sound design for film and I realized video games are just way more interesting. So why would I continue doing film stuff when there are so many opportunities in video games? And I met Alex Bruce. Um, and, uh, he brought me on to do the sound on Antichamber, and, <gasps> oh, yeah, I did the sound on Antichamber. Really? That's a good game, isn't it? Uh, I haven't, I haven't played it yet, but it looks absolutely amazing. Do you want me to field questions to Alex Bruce for you? Feed him? Yeah, I, I can, do you have a question I can ask Alex Bruce? Uh, hmm, let me, is, do you have one, Ian? Not the moment. Not the moment. All right. All right. Let's ask him. Um... Alex, what did you have for lunch? <laughs> we had two pork tacos and two pork taco sliders. How did you feel about the sliders? They're pretty damn good, aren't they? <laughs> mm. So this is video games, guys. I am interviewing with Brett Hudson of uh, Indie Radio. Um, and Ian Jones. Sorry, yeah, this is live. Um, so, um, um, what other things can we talk about? We should talk about things. Yeah, definitely. Um, I just, <laughs> this is so much different. Uh, we've never had an inter-taco view, as mm. Ian just called it. Mm. First for everything. Yep, first for everything. Well, so honestly, what's your favorite kind of tacos? I think is probably. I don't know. I think it might be this one in my hand. Honestly, I was totally expecting like I would have a bite of this thing and set it down, and then you know, you resume can't the stop con- once you started. But, oh man, it's such a good taco. Oh shit! Now I'm hearing myself, and this is really weird. So they put um the interview in the background, so I'm hearing <laughs> myself on lag. Uh. I think All I right. just heard oh. myself laugh. I think you did. Oh, it's just really serious stuff. Dude, holy crap. Why don't they just sit in here and listen to it? 
I don't. Oh well, because I'm listening to you on headphones. Oh right. Yeah. <coughs> and I'm listening to myself in the background. So like, there's like a three second lag here, which is really awkward. Oh. Yeah. That's. Do you know what's really serious? Video well, games are really serious. Video games. You video mean. games, man. So does your life revolve around video games? Oh, part of it. Um, nice. So, yeah, I had this wonderful experience. Um, um, uh, oh, my God. this is Hey, guys, can you turn that down? It's confusing as hell. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, so um, I have – I kind of consider myself a part of two communities that really inspire me and uh, keep me really creative and grounded. Um, one of those is the indie game development community. And um, – you know, you've spoken to a lot of people from that community and, and have an idea of, of how um, a lot of uh, people in this community think and grow. And yep. uh, and another is <clears throat> kind of the hippie flow community here in Austin. And uh, I go to Burning Man every year. And there was this moment last year. So last year I had to go from Burning Man to PAX. Um, and I left Burning Man before the end of the week, before the man burnt. And I had this moment the night before leaving – uh, where I was thinking, man, I haven't played video games for a while. I really want to just play some video games. And I actually started to get a little depressed about it. And I realized, wait, tomorrow I am flying into PAX and all I am doing for three days is playing video games with my friends. This is wonderful. <laughs> so, yeah, video games are great, guys. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, video games. All right. So, <clears throat> you you are... Um, as you said, a part of a couple different communities. So you have both of them influencing uh, your opinions on indie games and just video games in general. Where do you want to take games? Where Where do you want to see games go? Um, <clears throat> well, I could speak to where I personally want to take my own work in games, um, which is which is very much you know sound self very much speaks to that. It's 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 about being in the moment and being present and. Uh, um, about the experience of being there, being there with it, and and not about uh, a particularly goal-oriented thing. For me, what I'm aware, I really want to take Uh-oh. my own work, and what what really excites me in the in the game world is, um, <clears throat> the breadth of possible interactive experiences, um, the breadth of of experiences that we can give people, um. Not just about how we can introduce new thoughts to people or how you can puzzle someone's brain in an interesting way, but can you make something feel something that they would not be able to feel without this particular tool or with this particular project? Um, so what <clears throat> what I'm really interested in is 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 variety of experience, and uh, uh, we're seeing more and more variety, which makes me really happy. As a gamer, that makes me really happy. Um, because I'll, <clears throat> you know, I'll play Dishonored, and I I love that. Um, and uh, I'll switch on to um, playing Samurai Gun with my friends, and that's a different. Um, <coughs> that is a, a different space to be in. Uh, it's a very social. Um, <clears throat> there's a well, when you watch people play Samurai Gun, you hear the word "fuck nice," "fuck nice," "fuck nice" a lot, and there's this. Um, kind of wonderful shared competitive space that that Samurai Gun does a, a really good job evoking in its players. And the Stanley Parable, which I spoke to you about earlier, is a very thoughtful 
meta meditation on on video games as an expressive medium. Um, sound self is a, a um, a grounding meditation, med- meditative experience. Um, there's just so many cool, different things out there. Mm-hmm. That's what excites me. Is 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 just the variety. Um, I'm really not interested in um, AAA shooters. Not because you know I think there's anything wrong with AAA shooters, but because I've played that game before. Yep. <clears throat> it gets dull. Um, and there's so much we can do. There's so much we can do that people haven't even begun to think about yet. So why not put our minds to creating really unique new positive experiences than, you know, pushing a few more units, satisfying player expectation in a certain way. Mm-hmm. I hear the word people talk about escapism a lot. In you know, you go to game conferences and, and people say, oh, yeah, you know, it's an escape. And it's like, really? You're working in games because... You want to make an escape for people? That's it? Is that there? There's no more ambition there? There's no more, you know, you don't feel like you're changing the world and bringing people closer together or something like that? And I think it's a total lack of imagination. Um, <clears throat> if you're, and of course, you know, I'm not saying that um, treating games as an escape is a, is a bad thing. It's just, you know, there's more interesting things we can be doing. Uh, and we are doing. We were just talking about Proteus. What a phenomenal game! I, I it really changed my um, self. It changed me playing Proteus. Um, games can change us, um, and I think oh, totally. the yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I'm a different person because of Samurai Gun. Um, <laughs> I mean, I've, I've poured many, many, many hours into that game, but it's a, it's a um, yeah. I I love how we can get into a player's skull and and change who they are a little bit, in modest ways and less modest ways. <clears throat> um, did that answer the question? Yeah, I think so. Um, you ca- you kind of brushed up on this topic, and I I had been thinking about it, um, because you're really interested in. Working with sound with video games, you really want to uh, bring some light to that particular um, sense. When bring you're, some uh, light. Playing video games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go on. <laughs> and uh, oh, haha! I I get it now. Yeah, it took me a second. Um, but what about having? Um, I don't know. This this people have probably thought about this, and it's kind of already been done with uh, vibration and controllers. But what about bringing uh, feelings, like uh, like uh, nerve feelings, <clears throat> to video games? Like uh, if if you do something wrong, you get a shock. Oh and... man, I would love to play that game. I yeah. Oh, I'm totally with you. Um, Bennett Foddy did a talk at Indiecade last year about um, you know. Not just why is it are we so focused on fun, but hey, why don't we create games that induce nausea? Hey, why don't we create games that <coughs> um, induce these uh, really um, unpleasant but wildly affecting sensory experiences? Um, and so right now, there's there's a technological challenge here, right? You know, you can't mm-hmm. hack directly into the nervous system, not yet, anyway. Um, and I think that is in our future, but. Um, and probably, yeah, probably. Well, scary depending on who's making the content. Well, that's yeah, that's exactly what I mean. But you can, you know, you have access to, um, you have access as a designer. We have access to a whole breadth of 
sensory experience. Um, if you have a uh, less hands-on approach to how you induce that. I was talking about how with Deep Sea, I think it's an extremely visual experience, but I don't I don't provide any of the visuals to that game. The, the visuals are, are brought by the player. Somebody comes to Deep Sea expecting to see something or not, and uh, being deprived of their senses and panicking to try to regain some sort of composure sight has a very active role in the deep sea experience it's not active in the same way as you know uh dishonored where i literally have to see what's going on or i'm not going to play the game <clears throat> but um but it's still a a, a visual visualizations uh the act of seeing is a big part of deep sea um and I think that it. I think that these other things, you know, um, sense perception um, outside of just sight and sound, <clears throat> excuse me, can be a very big part of um, game experiences. Um, I, I, you, we've probably both played games where you know the visuals uh, presented us with an image so disgusting that you felt a sensation of of smell that you kind of revolted or pulled back. And it's not because your nose is actually smelling something; it's because um, your senses don't work in a discreet way. It's not like your eyes see something and your ears hear something, and all of that combines to a discrete and real presentation of the universe mm-hmm. it's a very subjective experience and um it's just brain hacking how do you hack the brain um what are you trying to do and and there's a way to hack the brain to do that and there's probably like we have access to really powerful tools to to get into a person's brain the, the oculus rift which i'm really excited about is um is <clears throat> um has a really great potential to hack into your sense of reality because um, now there's no, there doesn't need to be nearly as much visual dissonance between uh, what you are playing and your experience outside of the game. Um, and with that, there's a lot more room for your imagination to fill in the gaps that the game designer could not. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> this is the kind of stuff I think about. Um, and it's it's the kind of stuff that deep sea or sorry that sound self really focuses on is um so i'm trying to create a perceptual experience with sound self it's not a mechanical experience it's not a visual experience or an audio experience it's a unique perceptual meditative experience and um we do a lot of techniques to induce a sense of self a perceptual sense of self that um that is surprising that you can do with just sound and image. We do a lot of flickering lights and (coughs) tones that resonate with the player's voice, and these things add up to a really powerful grounding sense of self. (coughs) And I don't mean to just be like pushing sound self a whole bunch, but it's just a project that my mind's in a lot right now, and I'm very excited about it. Yeah, no problem. It's it's an interview about you. You can talk about your games. Me. 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 Go um, on. Also, uh, I'm sorry if I'm I'm kind of slow to making questions. Like earlier before the uh, show, you were talking about how we've done a bunch of broadcasts. I still have to upload two of them, so I think this is 42. 42. <coughs> I'm not even sure how terrible is that. Um, but yeah, like I've just asked the same questions to so many people, where it's like, should I even ask that? That's gonna be boring. Oh, what are the questions so, you ask? Oh, I I don't know. Stuff like uh, a, 
a bit of it's generic. Like, uh, what what got you into game development? You know, what where where exactly did you discover that you could make games and that kind of yeah. stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, who was I talking to? So a movie ta- movie um, producer there, uh, in the uh, game loading people were in town uh, mm-hmm. recently and doing interviews with developers here. Um, they're making a documentary on this moment in independent games. They said the same thing. They said, yeah, you know, they, for them, they were, uh, they spent the first uh, few months of the production just kind of trying to find out the right questions. And for a long time, they felt like they were answering, asking the wrong questions. And uh, then they found, uh, yeah, I don't really have anything interesting to add to this, uh, Mm -hmm. to to that particular thread of thought, um, of thoughtness in circles. Blue. <laughs> yep, blue. You really like blue, blue don't you? I'm in a blue mood. Not blue. to say I'm feeling down. It's just maybe it's because I'm in Skype and Skype is really blue, and you've got this blue hat as your icon in Skype. Yep. <laughs> that is the famous hat. What makes this hat famous? Well, um, I pretty much never took it off for I want to say four years. I well, except when I'd sleep and shower and stuff. But other than that, I was pretty much wearing it all the time. And anybody who had met me in those four years or come in contact with me knew that hat. So it was my Facebook picture for a while, and then I have this pixelated version as my Skype icon and on my website. So like, if if we were in a crowd, like a huge crowd, and I told somebody to find me, they'd just look for the hat. Like they'd get up on a high spot. There's the hat. There's Brett. <laughs> right, right, right. It's, it, it was basically me. It's part of my soul. <laughs> Your soul. What, what made you get rid of the hat? Um, a haircut. I uh, I used to have longer hair, and I like flip it out on the edge of the hat. You know, you've you've probably seen that. Uh, lots of guys do that, but um, I got a haircut, and it didn't really fit with my. Here, so I just wear it occasionally now. It's uh, sitting about two feet away from me, so oh, it's, right. not, it's not gone, gone. But I was confused for a while. So when um, until this morning, I thought I was getting you confused for a guy that I met here in Austin who gave me a bottle of champagne um, at a party once, <laughs> <clears throat> and who I then bumped into at Burning Man this year. Um, I don't know why I got you confused with this person in my head. Have we met in person? No, never. Yeah, I don't know how that happened, but it did. But you are not that person. I don't know who that person is. I don't remember his name, but he gave me a bottle of champagne once. <laughs> nah, I've only known of you for uh, about a month. Oh, okay. I, know, I found... Sounds like a wonderful month. I think I found... <laughs> yep. Uh, Deep Sea Online, and that's... Yeah. I was like, holy crap. We gotta <laughs> talk to this guy. Yeah, it's interesting. So... Right now, because Deep Sea is kind of not my focus right now, you know, um, it's like, um, I mean, it's definitely not my focus right now, um, but um, it's interesting because that game does play a huge role in, in what I'm working on now, even though it doesn't really seem like it from the outset. These look like two extremely different games, but to me, Sound Self really is a direct sequel to Deep Sea. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting because everybody, a lot more people know about Deep Sea and... Uh, uh, and want to hear about that project and uh, um, so much about that project is is directly related to what I'm doing right now um, 
So I'm just looking at Deep Sea from a different perspective now. It's uh, it's still exciting to me, but it's exciting in a very different way. It's exciting for what it taught me. Not not it's not exciting to me anymore as a as a discrete experience or as something. I kind of don't take it out anymore because it's a pain in the ass, and I've just got you know different things to be doing, um, mostly sound self related things. But um, yeah, to me now thinking about Deep Sea is is uh much more about the things I have learned about perception and imagination, player perception and imagination in making that game than about the outcome, which was this weird horror game with a gas mask. <clears throat> Excuse me. <laughs> oh, I thought you had more to say. No, um, no. Right. My stories don't really have normal arcs. They just go. Yeah. And then they just end. We've had a couple of people like that on oh. the radio. It's just kind of like, oh, oh, shoot, it's it's my turn to talk. All oh, right. yeah. How are you, Ian? Ian Jones? Doing well, I guess. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, anything else? Is, is there anything in mind that you'd like to uh, chat about? Um, I could, uh, uh, yeah, what do you want to know? Tell me things, Brett. I I'm not sure what I want to know. It's like uh, it's, I don't know. It's just keep talking. You're you're really interesting to listen to and interesting. It's just... That's so sweet. Let's see if anybody said anything on the uh, on the IRC. Ah, oh, people are being butts. I wonder if Seleucius is listening in. Seleucius, are you listening? Hmm? When was the last time you saw Seleucius in the IRC, Ian? It's probably been months. You don't even remember. Yeah, exactly. I'll just mention him. Where art thou? Yeah, he used to always put in some awesome, awesome uh, questions. And he would also, like, fight people in the IRC if they'd be trolling. Be like, oh. hey, get out of here. Remember that. It's well, funny. Cell is evidently one of the mods now. I, don't, I guess always has, but not, I think. But, yeah. So, But um, I guess I would hey, be curious as to... How you're able to take the, uh, basically how you're able to um, learn from like deep sea and stuff like that, where you have the reactions of people and kind of understand how they, uh, how their senses kind of betray them. I guess that was yeah. this experience they kind of come up with. Their mind fills in the gaps and kind of goes, "Hey, this is what's happening." It makes sense of it all. I guess is, I'm wondering how you can kind of learn from that and interpret the data. I guess. Well- so a few things. It was more. I, 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 when I created Deep Sea, it was there were a few things that were kind of incidental to the design at the time. The uh, I wanted to make a really immersive experience, and so I was just trying to create something. I would. Tr- I was trying to take away everything that would distract from the narrative reality of the game and put in things that would suck people more into that narrative reality. Um, so that was the goal at the time, and in doing that. Some of those things were incredibly powerful for just making the experience not only immersive but um, really visceral, um, a really bodily experience, more less a mental experience, more more grounded in the body in a deeply unpleasant way. Um, so it was just kind of, um, and, and two examples that come to mind are the darkness. Um, so and I would. Um, branch off of that to say the whole approach to um, sensation in that game um, and the the breathing apparatus 
um, which made people extremely conscious of their breath. Um, so these are two things that I didn't understand why they were important at the time when I first made Deep Sea. But since then, I've I've come to realize um, just by looking at them really hard and talking to people and reading books, I've come to realize what made those things really effective. So take the darkness, for example. Um, or I'll start with the breathing because there's a really clear connection to sound self for that one. Um, mm. uh, firstly, it it made people run out of breath. Um, having to control their breath, which is something people aren't really used to doing, um, it, um, it, it brought people's focus to a place they're not used to having their focus. And, um, um, it, um, and it, it focused you on your body because your breath is a very bodily thing. Um, there's uh, you're focusing on yourself there and um focusing on yourself in a way you're focusing on something that you're not very good at which is controlling your breath by the parameters that will make you able to hear monsters better in the game um which i think made people really unconfident which is important for a horror experience you're you're trying to um disempower players and giving people that lack of confidence in their body in in having their body do what they want it to do and serve them i think i think really contributed to the terror and in sound self what we're doing is again bringing focus back to the body to the voice to the breath um the whole interaction is through voice and players begin focusing on their body but instead of taking that into an unconfident direction there is this um um blissful interaction between your your breath your voice and uh the audiovisual experience it's rewarding you for everything you're doing and whereas in deep sea i think that relationship with the breath and body brought you into place of low self-confidence and and fear sound self that relationship with the body and its connection with sight and sound really uh creates a feedback loop where um you feel deeply connected to your perceptual processes and to everything that you are perceiving especially with the 3d with the oculus rift it's incredible um so that's one that that's one kind of train of how uh deep sea taught me something that i i maybe a lesson that i was looking to learn but that has been incredibly informative um the darkness uh, of deep sea and seeing how people would invent visualizations and uh um and would feel would very actively focus on other sensations to make up for what they were not getting through sight again adding to a lack of confidence and to and playing into the fear cycle there um in uh um i learned a lot about just the power of imagination and how it as soon as you leave a space for imagination to come in and make sense of something it does so and it does so a lot more powerfully and effectively than um than we could with all the best artists and graphics processors and so on and so forth. Um, so um, <clears throat> in sound self, this is it's what I'm doing is um, where it, in deep sea it was sense deprivation. In sound self, it's kind of sense overload. We're giving you so many things. Um, I don't know if you guys know anything about uh, sacred geometry, but it's something I've become very interested in. The development of sound self, where um, basically. Um, the, my understanding is that uh, the study of sacred geometry is looking at geometric forms, and there's a lot of kind of meanings that people layer onto these, but what I'm really interested in is you've got these apparently simple geometric forms whose 
have a large amount of symmetry and your brain perceives these symmetries and and because your brain's pattern finding machine and, and mm-hmm. it just kind of dances with the patterns of the symmetries while as you perceptual brett uh are not necessarily <laughs> you know you don't recognize that you're doing this thing you just look at the geometry and think this is beautiful and it's beautiful because it's it's interacting with your brain and feeding your brain patterns um invisible patterns um you look at a lot of sacred geometry things and you could pick out a few of the symmetries in them but it's only after kind of taking them apart and studying them that you see wow there are symmetries here that I could not possibly have known but your brain was recognizing that something was there so um, in sound self I'm um, doing a lot of really simple geometries that just give your brain a lot for the imagination to work with and integrate with and kind of um fill in the spaces with and, and dance with um, it's not something you'll observe yourself doing it just gives you the sensation of wow this is beautiful and that connection with the voice that I was discussing earlier means that what you're feeling is wow I am beautiful um, so so yeah that's that's deep sea to sound self in a nutshell um, that is definitely the uh, uh, the most articulately articulately I've expressed that particular connection ever. So, uh, thank you for bringing me to this place. <laughs> You're very welcome. Although I think Ian asked that question. Thank you, Ian. <laughs> no, Brett, um, you can take the thanks. It's fine. It's fine. Oh, okay, thank you. Thank you for letting me take thanks. Oh. <laughs> yep, and then. Um, I don't know. I kind of want to talk about the programming sure. side of SoundSelf. Like, it, it, it looks very complex behind the scenes, especially since you're dealing with sound. Like, what what do you even use to uh, do the sound? And, like, how, how, is, how does the whole process of taking input in from the user and transforming it into visual uh, display work? Well, so it's not a visualizer in that it's not taking sound data and doing a transform into into a visual space. Okay. Um, what it's doing is it's taking your sound data um, and it's looking at a lot of different things, a lot of harmonics in your voice, the, the tonal relationships uh, over the course of a long time, and it's using that to influence um, the uh, a kind of... Uh, audiovisual possibility map. Okay. So in Proteus, you might use WASD to move around and the mouse to look around. Um, you could think of your voice as being um, as, as being the um, equivalent to the WASD, except you don't, whereas in Proteus, you know W moves you forward, S moves you back. In SoundSelf, we're trying to hide the way that, uh, that these... Um, uh, that your voice is affecting the experience, um, so that you don't re- you don't recognize that you're controlling it, and instead you just kind of perceive it as an almost sentient reflection of yourself. Um, so, um, from a programming perspective, that means we've got um, a lot of really beautiful possibilities, a lot of um, expressions, um, not of your voice necessarily, but of math, a lot of uh, beautiful geometries and, and ways of expressing symmetries. Um, and um, 
your voice moves you through a map of how strongly or weakly certain symmetries are expressed. And uh, the same is true with the audio. Um, the audio is not generative yet. We're going to do a lot more generative stuff. It's a little generative, but mostly the audio is um, looped recordings um, and played at appropriate tones depending on, on where your voice is. Um, so... Um, from my perspective, it's easy because my programmer, Evan, has made a scripting language that just allows me to kind of um, find these symmetries, find these uh, relationships between sound and image, and uh, and then just program them in to be activated when uh, certain things happen. Um, so, for example, if you've been rising upwards octave by octave that'll affect the visual experience in a particularly interest or in a particular way whereas if you've been um doing a lot of minor tones that'll affect the visual experience in uh, or that'll affect which symmetries come forward um so it's just finding um all the different possibilities of player expression and mapping those to uh different symmetries in the audiovisual experience which um is just a lot of trial and error it's a lot of experimentation but what's nice about it is because we're dealing with really beautiful geometry and audiovisual symmetry um it's really easy to find something beautiful and uh so my job is just choosing the most beautiful ones and uh deciding how we how we unlock how the player unlocks those uh and hopefully doesn't realize how they're unlocking them Wow. Yeah, that that sounds a bit bit complex. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's more complex for Evan, I think, uh, the programmer, than it is for me. Yeah, for me, it's a really likely. explorative process. Um, he's made a wonderful tool set. Uh, this got really serious. I think I need another taco. <laughs> um, yeah. So. Yeah, Evan. It's definitely. I I kind of want to see this tool set now. Like it. Oh, it's a scripting language. So, mm -hmm. like, um, it, and it's a data flow strict scripting language. I don't know if that means anything to you. It didn't to me. Um, but um, it means that I take data in normally the voice and mm -hmm. um, use that just to control the flow of information, the flow of um, numbers up and down, and uh, and that's it. It's it's really simple um, because I'm not you know. It's not like a. Um, it, it's not like a. I don't know. Uh, I keep going back to um, Samurai Gun or something like that, um, mm -hmm. whose complexity is is. Uh, I mean, Sensoff has a lot of complexity, but the the complexity is all in the relationships between inherently symmetrical things, and so. Um, I just I just find the the right beautiful symmetrical things and flow data from one thing into another thing, um, which is just to hide the way that the player is affecting the experience so that it it feels as uh, alive and not um, and uh, like a reflection or a dance partner. I call it a dance partner, uh, so it feels more like a dance partner than it does a um, one to one. I am controlling this thing, which is a little less magical. Mm -hmm. Um, I totally recommend you try it. We've we've got the alpha available for people to buy. Here, I'll give you a link. Trying to get money out of us. Yeah, I'm trying to get <laughs> money out of you. Here, give me your money. Oh, okay. 
There's a link. Yep. And copy, paste, post, paste. Okay. All right. So it's fifteen dollars for pre-order and thirty dollars for uh the alpha. alpha. Wait. Yeah. So what, what's the difference? Oh, the fifteen dollars is pre-order and then you actually get access to the alpha. Okay. Cool. Yeah, we do that because right now I'm trying to, um, I'm I'm not trying to flood in, um a ton of users. I'm trying to get people who are really interested in the experience so that I can build a community and talk to people about their experience with it and just have a really deeper a deeper relationship with people playing mm-hmm. the alpha than I think I could have if we just got a rush of people in. So yeah. try to keep the uh alpha a little more limited. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think we might check this out and uh, please do, <laughs> do Give me a, your money. <laughs> do an article in uh Indie Mag. Or oh, cool. Indie Power Mag, sorry. Indie Power Mag. Cool, yeah. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Especially because I love to hear people try to describe it because I don't know how to. <laughs> oh yeah, that that'll be that'll be quite an article to write. They there's some games that it's just like I, I don't know what to write about, but this one this one's gonna be a challenge. So what what's one that uh to you was uh, particularly difficult to write about? Hmm. I don't know. My my mind kind of blocks out things that I don't like. <laughs> uh. So let 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 me uh go to indiepowermag.com and look through some of the stuff. Oh, the internet's kind of slow right now. Um, hmm. let's see here. Um, rock paper missiles was a bit difficult to uh, talk about. It's it's an iOS version of rock paper scissors, but there's I want to say currently 24, yeah, 24 different um, items that you can use in this rock paper scissors like game, and then there's yeah. there's seven different uh, weapon types. So different, there's just different versions of the same weapon, pretty much. So like a dragon and uh, like the Loch Ness monster, those are both mis- mythical creatures, so they work the same. Okay. And uh, it, it was just. It, it was so much different than what I'm used to reviewing that I wasn't sure what exactly to say. So I pretty much just talked about what it was, and uh, I don't know. I, I think it was a bit less of a review and more of just a summary. <laughs> sure. But, yeah. I'm looking at Rock, Paper, Missiles right now. Uh I can see this going either one of two ways. I can see it being really interesting or really not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if 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 I had an eye device, I was using my brother's. Um, I I think I would play it quite a bit. But really, what so what what's interesting about it? Yeah, I don't I don't know. It's just fun because like it it's it's a bit of chance, so it's kind of got that gambling gambling feel. Yeah, and um. Just trying to learn all the different uh, combinations that you can do. Because what you do is you grab, or you, the uh, the artificial intelligence picks three, or no, hold on, no, okay, I'm gonna start all over. You pick three different weapons that you want to use. All right, 
and then the artificial intelligence picks three weapons as well. So you see the three weapons that they have, and then you have to pick one of your three weapons that you think will take down theirs, because they pick one weapon as well. So you kind of get narrowed down, and you're like, okay, so I have, you know, rock, paper, and scissors. They have rock, paper, and scissors. Or they have rock paper and another rock like thing so you're like okay i should play paper because there's a better odd that they're going to pick a uh, rock type object right but Mm -hmm. then so okay i'm actually a big fan of rock paper scissors i enjoy rock paper scissors um i love how and, and of course it's all the optimal strategy is to um to just pick a random one but you're a human so you can't do that Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and so there is a a psychological game played between players that uh, that I actually find really interesting. Um, oh, turns definitely. out I suck at rock paper scissors. <laughs> um, I can I can if somebody gets to know me, they can pretty much beat me eight out of ten times because I guess I'm really predictable. Um, but I really like that you've got this totally simple gameplay that may as well not be there. It may as well just not you know those rules may as well not exist because mm-hmm. they're 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 just the optimal strategy is is pick random um but um around those rules is is just trying to um, outsmart the other person the other person's ability to not be random yeah. or, or lack of ability to to choose something random um everyone, and of course everyone dismisses rock paper scissors as an actual game but i find it really interesting but then again, like I'm, I'm totally interested in in that relationship between you know what we've been talking about about um, the imagination and and how that fills in a ton of space when you don't give anything else. Rock paper scissors doesn't give you anything except a shitty game, and so <laughs> your uh, imagination does a lot to try to outsmart a person. Mm-hmm. Or yeah, I guess. Hi, Davy. Would you like to talk to Davey Reedon, who's about to release the Stanley Parable? Oh, yeah, definitely. Sure. Hey, Davey, do you, do you want to talk to these guys? <laughs> All right. Hello. Hey. Hey, guys. So, uh, Robin just said that you're about to release something? Uh, it's a game called The Stanley Parable. Okay. Um, it's a remake of a 2011 source mod that um, that I put out and, and that did well enough for people to ask for more of it. And so that's kind of what we're doing. What, what exactly is a source mod? A source mod? Oh, so, so um, well, um, uh, a mod is just... Are you familiar with modding? Or I... I... I think my question was, what was the source mod of? That's what I. Oh, meant. Well, well, sorry. Well, sorry. So when I when I said source mod, I mean literally from the source engine, which is Valve's proprietary oh. uh, engine for Half Life and Left 4 Dead and Portal and all of those guys, right? Okay. So everything that Valve makes runs on source, and so it was uh, uh, um, built in uh, the engine and using the assets from Half Life Two. Okay. Um, yeah, and so uh, so it was completely a Half-Life 2 um, built game, and we've been remaking it using the Portal 2 engine and uh, using assets from a variety of uh, 
uh, a number of pre-made assets that we've licensed and a few that we've built ourselves and we've been uh, making it into a full standalone game that's coming to Steam. We were greenlit about a year ago. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Congrats. Hey, thank you. So uh, in October, that's when that thing will be coming out. Sweet. Yeah, definitely um, have Robin send a uh, link or something to us. Mm-hmm. So we're, we'll mm-hmm. definitely check it out. Yeah, for sure, man. Uh, will do. All right. Cool. All right. Robin, you want to round this out? Hi. Hey. So it's uh, been about an hour and a half. So um, I'm guessing you probably want to uh, wrap this up. Cool. Let's rock and roll. All right. So final questions. Is there anything in the IRC? IRC has been so dead the last couple of broadcasts. Dead IRC. Dead Late. IRC. Rip oh. or rest in peace. I should have said rip in peace. Wow. Yeah. Ouch. Um, so, Ian, do you have any questions? No, but we should let the IRC rest in peace in pieces. It's fine. Okay. All right, so final question. Super serious. Super serious. Super, super serious. This is about tacos? That's what I was thinking. about tacos. Although, although we could ask one about tacos. Hmm. What's the best taco you've ever had? And the worst taco you've ever had? I think oh. the best taco I've ever had is the one I just had. <laughs> that was a good taco. <laughs> then again, there's a place on South First in Austin that does amazing tacos. It's not Torchies. Uh But I forget the name of it. So they do good tacos too. Mm-hmm. Worst taco I've ever had... Man, there's some really bad fast food tacos. I was I was a little disgusted by your guys' discussion of Taco Bell earlier. That was all bread. What you don't like, like uh, Doritos? I like I Doritos, like... but not the Jesus. Yeah. Not the, the Taco Bell ones. What's tacos. wrong with you, man? I, I don't Jeez. know. It's, it's a Cool Ranch taco. It, it's plus plus Cool Ranch isn't the best type of Doritos in the first place, Brad. So well, there's also nacho cheese, but that's just kind of. I don't know. But just talk about in general. I kind of yeah. When I realized I didn't couldn't identify the meat. I decided I should probably not eat there so much. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty pretty bad news. But sometimes you're craving that. And I understand that. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then it can into it can intersect with your desires in a particularly powerful way. And I only and have you're... Taco Bell like once every other year, so it's, it's not sure. like I'm obsessed with it. I just really want to try out their new taco. <laughs> All right, so final question. Super, uh, super, go on. Super serious. Are are you are you sure you're ready for this, Robin? I'm ready for it. You ready? Okay. Do you program shirtless? Oh. Uh, uh. Sometimes. Sometimes, sometimes yes. Sometimes, sometimes yes. Perfect. But not usually. When when was the last time that we asked that, Ian? It's been like. I think I think the last time that I asked that was with Edmund McMillan because I kept asking him questions about programming and then felt like a complete idiot because he doesn't program. Yeah, and I was more interested in his cats. So you know, yeah, which I think I should get some credit for since now they're doing eugenics. Yep, I'm impressed you got Edmund on the phone. He's uh, uh pretty reclusive. Yeah, from what I understand. Yeah, he was he was an interesting. We're trying to get Tommy. Uh, we've We've talked to him a little bit, but he's super busy. 
but uh, we also got uh, John Blow a couple couple months after Edmund, which was probably like the highlight of this show. Well, bes- besides you, of course, Robin. You're oh, pretty me. Awesome. Yep. Let's talk about Luke me some more. Luke. All right, so um, hmm. I, I think that's it for questions. Uh, it was it was a really fun show. Uh, you you need you need to keep making games for sure. Cause thank you. You you are more interesting than I'd have to say probably ninety five percent of the indie devs out there. Oh, uh, you're sweet. They're pretty interesting though. But can you name devs that I'm more interested that interesting than? Well, I'd appreciate I, I don't know. A lot of devs are more like I don't know. They just want to make games, which which is totally cool. Like they just want to make, uh, you know, like uh, not not trying to push down any games, but like Super Meat Boy. It's it's just a hard platformer when it comes down to it. And uh, a lot of people just want to make platformers. Or they just want to make shooters. They just want to make puzzle games. But you are like trying to innovate and you're coming up with all these weird weird ideas that nobody's ever you know done before and uh oh, thank you it's it's just i'm not saying that the other devs are bad and def- definitely not the team meat because they're awesome i love super meat boy um but you know it's just you're on a different level oh you're sweet thank you yep um Cool. Thanks, guys. Yep. So, uh, everybody, that was Robin Arnott. And uh, what, what's your website again? Soundselfgame.com. S-O-U-N-D-S-E-L-F. Game. Game. Did you spell game? G-A-E-I-Y-E-I-E-I-A-E-I-A-A-M. I thought it ended with an N. No, the the I comes before the A. Which one? The second one or the third? The second. Ah, oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, but one right, of them's so, upside down. Or what was that? One of the one of the eyes is upside down. Oh, that's what. Okay, I kept okay. getting it wrong. Oh, that makes so right. much more sense now. Yeah, that's maybe why people have been confused when you've been writing about games before. Oh, so <laughs> that's why. That's yeah. why your site came up as a porn site. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're going to do the credits right after this short little music break that Robin cannot hear, so he might sing instead. Thank you for listening in to broadcast number 41, 42 of Indie Radio. This broadcast was broadcasted live with 1,000 mics and was recorded using Audacity. All music was found on Newgrounds coming from various artists. Uh, we have an upcoming issue of Indie Power Magazine coming out hopefully next weekend. Uh, it was due out for release today, but things have been so crazy for me and some of the other writers that with, uh, well, two of us moved, including myself. Um, so we, we've just been really far behind. We're going to release it soon. And, um, that'll be coming out, uh, really, really early October. And then the uh, next issue will be somewhat late October, like, uh, the 26th. But, um, the next, uh, indie radio broadcast will be on October 12th. 
and uh, we we have a really cool interview coming up. Um, not not quite as cool as Robin, but let's see here. It is I want to say yep, Eric Blomquist and the rest of the guys that are working on a game called Bliss, which. Uh, Kickstarter's just ended. It wasn't successful, sadly. But uh, we'll talk to them about that on the next Indie Radio broadcast. So thank you a bunch for listening in, and we'll catch you next time.